Hey, it's Andrew, and today on the show, we have J.R. Farr, co-founder and CEO of Weave.com. In this episode, we discussed what attracted JR to build a customer attention platform, how Weave automates your customer attention flow, and how it helps you analyze your customer experience with a holistic approach. We also talked about JR's experience in building a customer attention program from scratch, why he is focused on finding the right customers from day one, and when it's the right time to fire a customer, and why that means customers that use dark patterns in their product for Weave. As usual, I'm excited to hear what you think of this episode, and if you have any feedback, I would love to hear from you. You can email me directly on andrew at churn.fm. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter, and enjoy the episode. Today's episode is sponsored by Avrio, a collaborative insights platform built directly into your workflow. With the browser extension and web app, Avrio provides a new way to capture and share data analysis, user research, and learnings directly in context with your team. From data dashboards, Google Slides, and Slack threads, to inside of apps and team members' heads, Avrio captures all of your insights and creates a single source of truth. Visit avrio.com to learn how you can maximize your team's collective knowledge with Avrio. This is Churn.fm, the podcast for subscription economy pros. Each week, we hear how the world's fastest growing companies are tackling churn and using retention to fuel their growth. How do you build a habit-forming product? We crossed over that magic threshold to negative churn. You need to invest in customer success. It always comes down to, to retention and engagement. Completely bootstrap, profitable, and growing. Strategies, tactics, and ideas brought together to help your business thrive in the subscription economy. I'm your host, Andrew Michael, and here's today's episode. Hey, JR. Welcome to the show. Hey, Andrew. Thanks for having me. It's a pleasure. Great to have you. For the listeners, JR is the founder and CEO of Weave.com, an automated customer attention platform. JR is also a partner and CPO of Policy Scouts, giving people a fresh take on comparing and buying insurance online. Prior to Weave and Policy Scout, JR was also the CEO and co-founder of Mojo Marketplace. It was acquired by the Endurance International Group Holdings after the team had built the marketplace using Mojo to find products for their web presence. So my first question for you, JR, is what drove you from building a marketplace to now founding a customer attention platform? Yeah, no, it's a good question. So I, I guess that was 10 years of my life building quite an e-commerce business. We also had... Um, a subscription aspect to the marketplace as well, where people could subscribe to a service. And then obviously being acquired by a company like Endurance International Group, who owns Constant Contact and Bluehost.com and Hostgator.com, we were really involved in those companies as well. And so, you know, as a large organization and a large customer base, customer retention was real and it was, it was a real problem. And even at a company that size, it was, you know, it was still something that we hadn't figured out completely. And it was something that, you know, I just got my head like really into it and I just couldn't let it go. And so as we were building solutions, I wanted to, I guess, offer the same thinking and, and type of solution for, for everyone. And so I know that there's been a few products coming out that are doing things, but there's things that we feel like we're, we're doing differently. And, and I guess today on the show, Andrew, you know, I hope that we can kind of get into that more, you know, ideology and, and philosophical piece of why we're doing what we're doing. 
Yeah, absolutely. I find it interesting that you say as well, that like the company and the size and the scale of Endurance International Group that you still hadn't figured out uh, retention quite as much as you'd like. And I think this is one of those things that a lot of people think it's it's really simple to grasp and understand and be able to fix quickly. But once you really start to getting into it and trying to sort of tackling it, you realize like what a big task it is and that it's not as simple as, as you right. to begin with. Exactly. Uh, So so tell us a little bit about Weave then. So you said you're trying to do things that others aren't. And what is the secret sauce behind Weave? So I guess, you know, it's it's more so what I think we could talk about today is just there's, let me summarize it like this. It's interesting to look at, you know, customer retention in this way, where at one point a customer comes and they're comparing all the solutions. So let's, you know, whatever, whatever industry you're in, there's probably a handful of options that a customer can choose. And it's at that moment, they make a conscious decision to say, look, your solution is the best option for me. You're the best one I could find. And then, and then all the way, you fast forward all the way to where the customer cancels. What happened in that period? You know what I mean? Like what were the, what was the, was there something around the onboarding? Was it an issue with pricing? Did they get angry? Was it apathy? Was it, what was it that led to that? And I think that that's where we're so hyper-focused is trying to see more of the full picture to, you know, try to predict and analyze, um, not even just, you know, obviously there's billing history, there's product engagement usage, there's how your customer support reps are handling the ticket queue, all the way down to even just like the company's DNA itself, you know, is that, is the founders thinking transcending down as the, as the company expands and, you know, are they as focused on the way that they, you know, interact with customers or as focused on onboarding or, does that make sense? Like there's a bigger, there's a bigger piece to this around the why someone leaves and we're Absolutely. trying to, we're trying to figure that out. Yeah. And it's, it's a big, big job, I guess. <laughs> Cause mm-hmm. like you said, there's so many touch points to so many reasons that people could end up leaving your product. But I really like the fact that you sort of start from the very beginning and saying, okay, like at some point in time, we were the best solution for our customer and somewhere along the way we went wrong. How are you going about thinking like, figuring this out then uh, because like you said there's so, so many different reasons so it? i think it was very it was very intentional so the name weave itself is is also intentional right like you're weaving together all of this data and thinking and and trying to understand the larger picture but more so i mean even where we started with the product it's very very focused right now with customer churn uh, or or you know customer retention and churn and we did that on purpose so we could effectively reverse engineer everything because we feel like if we can start it like it's essentially the the last time you interact with a customer and there's so much learning from that that can uncover the whole customer journey that they had with you and so for you know so so we intentionally chose to start at the last point of your customer interaction so we could you know go straight to that source and figure out what led to that um so that's why, yeah, that, that's why we decided to kind of build it the way that we did. Nice. And then, so the idea then would be to sort of systematically move backwards up to the beginning point when they first decided to right. choose you and really try and get a holistic picture together. You said the, the name Weave was really deliberately chosen and is to bring together different data points. Like, what does it look like? What does the, like the roadmap look like? What are some of the things that you're looking to be bringing into Weave? Yeah, so right now is the way the product sits right now is, um, we, you know, we weave together, I get, you know, obviously billing history. So, you know, connect things like your Stripe account, 
Um, we have a JavaScript tag that we refer to as the Octo tag that it, it tracks product engagement. And even, even the way that you view your customers, it's a lot of times when you log into a system, it's, it's user IDs, it's email addresses. It's not, very, it's not really focused on the relationship that you have with the customer. I mean, even if you think about it, whether it's brick and mortar or software, right? When you go into that coffee shop or that store frequently and you kind of get to know the owner, you get to know the people that work there and they remember your order and that it's just that feeling that you get. And so we're trying to, you know, with, even with the product as it sits today, we focus a lot on just custom, the, the relationship you have with the customer and who they are as an individual. And then we, obviously we marry that with their billing history, their product usage. And then, you know, like I was saying before, we, we do have options that are, that are found in other products like failed payment recovery. And we have a hosted cancellation saver flow. So when customers want to cancel, there's this automated system that will capture the customer and offer them different solutions. So, um, so yeah, again, so, so right now in terms of the roadmap, we have the product as it sits today does, you know, a lot of metric based stuff, a lot of product usage, uh, failed payment recovery. There's a customer saver piece. In terms of the roadmap, we're focusing next on doubling down more on our predictive ability to understand with all the data that we have, start to predict a little bit earlier when someone's going to leave. And so finding those at-risk customers is something that we're hyper-focused on for the next little while. Nice. And I, I like the fact as well, I'm not too sure how many other tools do combine sort of the billing data along with product usage data who have their own script. So you said that you also have product usage, a script that tracks product usage. Yep. Do you require your customers to send specific events? Like how does the product tracking work? Itself? Yeah, it's very similar. Like think of it like, I mean, almost like the intercom script, right? So you have to, yeah, you have to, we have to know if the customer is currently logged in. So we have to know their email address, which we attach it to. And so we can track uh, once they're logged in, how many, you know, th simple things even like once, once it's, it takes about 10 minutes. It's just like a normal JavaScript tag. You add, you know, the ability to look up their email so we can, we can identify it's a unique individual. Um, but then obviously we just track simple things like uh, how many times are they logging in in a week? If that drops from a certain amount, obviously we're going to flag that if they, how long's their sessions? Are they clicking, you know, inside of the help desks or inside of your app around the cancel buttons and what's that going to trigger? And, you know, all the way down to just it's very simple things, but then there's also, you know, we're, we're combing that all together with how long the relationship has been, how many failed payments do they have on their file? And we're tying that all together to kind of give them a score and, and really identify who and when and why they're going to leave. Nice. Uh, and I think you probably then might also have some interesting data points and something that's actually been asked on the show a couple of times is what percentage like have you seen in your experience, what percentage of companies MRR or ARR is currently sitting as dormant, meaning that people are paying for their subscription, but they're not actually using the service. Is this something that you have access to a data point? Yeah. Like you mean more like a zombie type customer that's just kind of, yes, it's just yeah. there and paying. It's honestly, I, I don't have anything. I can't just give you a number. I, I can say that it varies. It definitely varies on the type of industry, the type of product. And then, you know, the other thing that you said when it makes me think of is it's also interesting to see, depending on the type of product or industry, how, how it varies in terms of involuntary versus voluntary churn. There's a lot of industries that have, or softwares that have, you know, majority of their cancellations is actually from, voluntaries rather than failed payments and so it's it's weird how that all changes but yeah in terms of your question 
I don't have anything off the top of my head. I just, it's just, it's all over the, all over the map. Interesting. Yeah. Cause this has come up quite a, a couple of times uh, because I think most like software, as you said, they have the failed payments and you'll be able to understand sort of in terms of numbers when it comes to churn, but combining the two to be able to see sort of how many zombie customers you have, I think is also an interesting metric to sort of understand yeah. how engaged your customer base is and how much of a right. problem you actually have. Right. So you mentioned sort of like this whole experience and talking through some of the different touch points where customers could leave over time. And this is something I'm a really big believer in as well, in the sense that churn doesn't happen for maybe one specific reason, like there could be a bug, okay, yes, some people leave, but typically it might be like a series of events that happen over time or your product just never actually getting the value where it needed to. So when you're thinking about this whole holistic experience, like where do you see you taking it with Weave? Like from which point in time when the customer first discovers to the end, like how are you thinking about tracking this whole experience? Yeah, that's a good question. So, I mean, I guess I can get pretty specific in terms of the product roadmap. And then I can also just talk a little bit more about some of the ideas that we have. But like I said, moving it, moving backwards with trying to analyze all this data and do some more predictability. But then even like that first time a customer experiences software. So we've had a lot of customers asking for us to expand some tools for them to do some onboarding because we have so much data for them when they're first using the product. Like even the billing history, we know when customers are currently in a trial, obviously, when we know kind of what the uses is happening. And so for them to be able to have some tools within Weave that could influence the onboarding experience, that's like something that we're talking about heavily right now. And that kind of moves us a little bit further, you know, backwards you know, to our kind of destination we're looking to do. So that's more in the immediate horizon. In terms of like the very, very first point, I think, I don't know if we'll go that far. I think it's more educating the rest of the organization through the data we have. So if you think about it, again, with Weave, the name, the tools that these companies are using, like software, I'm sorry, customer service tools like Zendesk, you know, being able to take the data that we have and funneling that by customer as an individual and bubbling up that information to the support rep as they're talking to them. Hey, this customer is at risk. This customer is a VIP. This customer is been with you guys for a long time. They, you know, they're, 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 they're a zombie customer, whatever you say, you know, whatever we're going to call it, whatever we're going to say it, there's a million things that this customer could be. And so it gives you that back to that full picture, that relationship, the full story, the context, so when your reps, even at the front lines, are dealing with a customer, it's a much more enjoyable experience of like I mentioned earlier, where you walk into the store, hey, I know what you order, you want your that coffee black, and you know what I mean, you like your muffin or whatever it is, you know, it just feels so personal, and and you kind of get that come through. So I think those are a few areas that we're looking to kind of expand with the product. Nice, and for me, I think like when we when we think about experience, I think a lot of times people just gravitate towards product experience. And definitely when it comes to churn and retention, like your product is probably one of the biggest levers you have to impact it. But I think more often than not, we forget that the product itself is not necessarily the piece of software that the end user uses, but people coming to your company, they see your product from the very first ad, they see a sort of packaging of your product. And then the right. interactions they have with the support are another part of the product. And I think like when people sort of understand that and see the whole company as a product and you're a product company as opposed to a company that makes a product, you end up right. having this more holistic experience, this more felt like uh, genuine and sort of seamless experience when it exactly. comes to Exactly. Uh, you know, uh, on that same note too, you know, yeah. one, 
one of the things that I was mentioning that our tool offers is obviously that this customer saver piece so when customers are canceling, it's just kind of this automated retention flow that helps customers before they leave. And we offer options and we kind of obviously bubble those back up to the, to the users and let them know why customers are leaving. But you just said something that made me think of this, but you know, a lot of times like we have this churn issue, but it's, it's really like you just said it, it's a customer support issue or even just as simple as pricing, you know, as the customer starts to use it and they feel these constraints or they feel these, you know, like I'm getting charged an arm and a leg to use this and I'm not really using these features. And a lot of times, you know, it's hard for a product company to understand that when they're just looking at the very end of someone's life cycle, you know? Yeah. And so we're trying to bubble those things up as effectively as we can. For sure. I think like every interaction you have with your customer, there's a sale that's made and either it's you selling them on why your company can solve their problem and deliver value or you, uh, they're selling uh, you on why your company is not good enough. And uh, right. I think like if we realize like every interaction is an opportunity to impress, an opportunity to retain and having the data points available to be able to tell you, okay, like we're suffering a little bit in onboarding or we need to make changes to pricing or to product is just really right. key to, to be able to make the sales. One last thing as we're talking about this, you know, we've been, the way that we've grown the company has been very, I guess you could say selective. We don't, we don't have any, we don't do any ads. We don't do any, it's definitely more like direct sales or referrals right now. Um, and I guess the reason why is we, We've been very selective with who we pick because there's been the, you know, the consumers online are obviously getting smarter. And I think that a lot of times we've dealt with companies that aren't willing to change, let's say their cancellation flow online. They don't want to offer cancel button. They just want to have an email address or, you know, they have to call in to, to, to uh, cancel. And so a lot of times we, you know, we'll purposely turn a company away and say, look, if you're not willing to kind of, evolve and offer a, a delightful experience to your company. You know what I mean? It's not, maybe it's yeah. not a good fit for us. And so we definitely are looking, you know what I mean? Like it's, it's definitely a change for people. And that goes back to the DNA of a company that we're trying to kind of match with, you know? Absolutely. And do you get many customers that come up like this where you, they interact with your sales team, maybe with yourself, and then you realize they're not a good fit and uh, like, using dark patterns, like you say, to try and avoid cancellations. Yeah, we've had, we've had, yeah, quite a handful that have come up for sure. Interesting. And so, think, you know, it's not like, it's not like a, it's not an aggressive conversation. It's just kind of like, okay, yeah, you know, it's great. You know, like we, we definitely, this is what we recommend. And if, you know, it's not going to make our software very effective and you're not going to be happy with us in the next sure. few months. And so we might as well not even, you know what I mean? It's just more of an open conversation like that. Yeah, I think like these sorts of things is really, really short sighted because, okay, you might see an immediate bump in churn going down and retention increasing, but the negative impacts that they have on your brand and uh, the negative like sort of taste you leave in people's mouth. And when it comes to word of mouth, I think the, the results and afterwards are sort of like exponentially bad for you. Right, exactly. So... Where are you now at the, at the moment? Like how big is the team? When did you get started as well with Weave? Yeah, no, that's a good question. So all the companies I've ever built and sold have been bootstrapped. So we're not a funded company and we're very nice. proud of that. And so we're based in uh, Salt Lake City, Utah, and we've got uh, there's about six of us right now. We started working on the project um, a couple of years ago. And like I said, we're still, we're thinking about, 
you know, maybe doing some more, I guess, traditional marketing efforts like paid ads and landing pages and things. But right now it's, it's definitely been a, like I was explaining, it's, it's, I don't know why we just have this very intentional, it's almost like the pressure of building a product in this space that if you get someone on this product, like if you run a customer retention tool and, and customers cancel, it's like, it's a scary thing, you know? So we're just, we've been so yeah. selective with who we brought on to make sure that we've, you know, we're finding the right customers that we, you know, that will get that value out of what we've done. And so, yeah, so yeah, we're just, we're just slowly and steadily growing and it's, it's been fun and yeah. I love that sort of the pressure that you put on yourself, building a custom retention software that you can't afford to lose customers. And right. I, really, I really love as well, like how the focus is on finding the right customers, sort of where did that revelation come from? Like, obviously it must've come from experience in past companies, but how did yeah. you go about sort of selecting that right customer? Like what were the decisions and the thought process that went into that in the beginning with the team? Uh, that's a good question. I guess there's a couple of things there. One it was definitely built out of you know, scratching our own itch. So we kind of knew there was an issue here based off the last few companies that we'd ran. Um, obviously, you know, right now we work with Stripe. We're a Stripe partner. Uh, Stripe is obviously one of the biggest subscription offering, you know, payment offerings. So, um, yeah. And then I guess, you know, it comes from, I guess, experience with running a couple bootstrap. You don't, you don't have, a massive team and time and resources to, to do make bets on a million things. And so we knew that going into it, that we had to make sure that we prioritize the right things and we prioritize the right customers. And I mean, let's be honest. I mean, a lot of it is definitely a gut and experience that we're leaning in on. Right. It's not like we have it all figured yeah. out, but we're just trying to lean on that experience that we have and be real with ourselves that, we don't have endless amounts of funding and a gigantic team to just go after everyone and every, everything at the same time. So yeah, um, that's, yeah. So yeah, that's kind of how we got there. Absolutely. Cause I think one of the things when it comes to like finding the right customer and is often overlooked when it comes to growth is the impact of finding the wrong customer. And it doesn't matter how much, like what growth looks like and how many people, new people you're bringing through the door that puts an impact on the support team. It puts an impact on the product team. Like, so yeah. making sure that you as a bootstrap company really know who that ideal customer is and really being able to focus and build for them. It really helps alleviate that pressure and that stress to have to grow uh, when your company is not ready to grow or have yeah. to add support heads when you're supporting the wrong customer and uh, really not driving value for the company. Exactly. So a uh, question I ask everybody that joins the show is let's imagine a hypothetical scenario now and you've decided to start a new job and you've joined a company and you come in and churn and retention is not doing well at all. And the CEO of the company has come to you and said, hey, JR, look, we need to get some results first. I would like to put you in charge of this project and we need to try and reduce churn. What would be some of the things that you want to do in the first 90 days to try and turn around and get some results for the company? <laughs> I was wondering, you told me before the interview that you had this question. I was so curious what it was. You know what's so funny about this is this, is a, this, this scenario is not hypothetical. This has actually happened to me while I was at Endurance. Um, okay. This is I, the CEO came, it was a new CEO who came in and said, JR, I need you to stand up a, a program for us around retention. So. Perfect. So um, you can have a good answer <clears throat> Yeah. So for, geez, this is a loaded question. So I'm going to try really hard to be concise and short. Um, like I said, like I've, I'm very big proponent that a churn is something bigger than it's a symptom of something bigger. 
And so you need to, and also separating things, there's different, co- you know, I'd obviously pull out different cohorts, um, you know, cause, cause, cause an early life customer in a trial or in the first 30 days, or you know, let's just say, you know, the type of product you offer, there's probably big checkpoints, you know, direct, you know, se- segmenting your customers in that way. And, and I would try to look for, I would use a lot of data. Obviously we live in a world where we have access to a lot of data and try to get some, something to give us a much more educated and analytical, you know, way. I, I'm a tendency to work more with my gut than I do with data, but I think it's a good way to kind of steer you. Right. So I'm not saying that you have to just look at the data and to be driven. I'm just saying it's going to give you a good uh, sense of which way the wind's blowing. And then obviously uh, depending on the type of product and where, you know, you see a lot of these, these, you know, I'd listen to every phone call I could read every support ticket, sit down with everybody in the organization that touches the customers, learn their side, you know, learn to build up that empathy and that context. And that's going to give you that gut feeling, right? So you've got the analytical side. And then if you can go sit with the entire organizations or, you know, departments in your company and, and learn about how they're interacting, what are the processes like, even down to simple things like refunds, like, is it very process oriented or, or the support reps, are they, in, you know, empowered to make on the fly decision-making with refunds or because that can leave a bad taste in people's mouth, you know, customers. So I would go and learn everything I could about it. So again, I had that yeah, real kind of gut and empathy piece and marry those. And then I would, you know, from there, I would build out kind of the, the low hanging fruit that we could go after. Um, so yeah, that would be my initial, that'd be my initial thing. And then from there, obviously you'd have to, you know, depending on the size of the organization, you have to build up something that's a little bit more process oriented. So it could be, you know, distributed across the entire organization. But you know, that's, I guess that's my answer. I don't know if that's. So you'd really want to just have like a good feel qualitatively, like throughout the organization, understand what customers are saying, where their pain points lie, making sure that you, it aligns with the data that you see that you've been collecting. And then from there sort of build out like you say those low-hanging fruit that you're going to go after and uh, really enable the team to start reducing churn in that manner Um, right for sure i think like definitely it's it's super important this is something that said over and over and over again is like really understanding the customer as much as possible is going to be the key to sort of solving this and i like as well that you sort of said it's not just about the data it's also having that sort of gut feel and that gut feel has been driven by sort of customers and what you're the company is saying and the pain points that your customers have so uh, right. it's it's definitely not healthy just to have one or the other i think it's really really yeah. good to have a balance cool so jay uh, i see we're running up on time now as well is there anything that you'd like to leave the audience with is there any sort of thing that you'd let them know about they should keep up or take a look out for any of the work that you're doing i mean no i i mean pretty i mean yeah i mean you find me at the usual places obviously you know if you're Ever just want to talk about this? It's something that I'm really passionate about, so I'd love to chat. Um, and yeah, I mean, if you are dealing with this, I mean, clearly people listen to the show care about churn, they care about customer retention. But yeah, just just yeah, I'm I'm excited to see the sh- the shift that's changing, and I'd love to be able to talk to more people about their problems and 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 just just more interactions we can have together as and share war stories and battle scars. I think it'll. It's only going to help improve the experience of all the products that all of us are using every day. So it's a win-win, you know? For sure. And if people are listening to this podcast and they're not interested in trend and retention, like I'm doing a really, really bad job. I <laughs> think. <laughs> yeah. Cool. Anyway, uh, and I mean, yeah, no, yeah. this has been, this has been great. 
It's been great having you. Thanks so much, uh, JR, and I wish you best of luck now going forward. And we'll make sure to follow up in the show notes with any of the things that were mentioned today and resources that people can take a look at. Thanks for joining. Thanks so much. Cheers. Cheers. And that's a wrap for the show today with me, Andrew Michael. I really hope you enjoyed it and you're able to pull out something valuable for your business. To keep up to date with Churn.fm and be notified about new episodes, blog posts, and more, subscribe to our mailing list by visiting churn.fm. Also, don't forget to subscribe to our show on iTunes, Google Play, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. If you have any feedback, good or bad, I would love to hear from you. And you can provide your blunt, direct feedback by sending it to andrew at churn.fm. Lastly, but most importantly, if you enjoyed this episode, please share it and leave a review as it really helps get the word out and grow the community. Thanks again for listening. See you again next week.